and uh, I'm just from south of the river, and, uh, the other side of the river. Um, I'm thankful to be here today, and uh, this is so encouraging, so encouraging to be here. Um, what a time to be the church, right? What a time to be a Christian. Um, I know the days are dark, but uh, that's when the light shines the brightest. And today, uh, maybe at this very moment, all throughout the country, there are churches just as this one, just as mine, and this is through whom God is choosing to change the world and uh, to have the gospel go forth. So I commend you. One of my favorite things to do every single Sunday is to go out front, maybe not when it's 10 degrees, but uh, maybe just inside the front doors and see people coming into church. It's my favorite thing. I look forward to it every single Sunday. People coming to assemble as God's called out people. Isn't that amazing? Uh, I don't take that lightly. Because uh, I know they're not coming for me. And uh, they're coming for the Lord. And this is an awesome thing that we get to see here today. I'm so encouraged to be here with you. And um, uh, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. And I'm going to uh, do my best here this morning to deliver to you a truth that God's been working um, extremely hard um, in my own life. And uh, I think it'll be encouragement to you. Not only is it an undeniable truth from God's Word, but there's a huge promise. There's a huge promise. I want to do my best to deliver that promise to you today and trust that the Holy Spirit will do what He can do. Um, this is beautiful, by the way. Uh, what an amazing church. Uh, beautiful, uh, wonderful group of people. I'm so encouraged to be here with you today. And hopefully I can be an encouragement to you. We're praying for you. We're a sister church. And uh, I found out this morning, we only launched about a month and a half before you guys did. And so we're on a similar trajectory. God has chosen to plant us or replant us in the midst of, of tough times. But like I said, that's when God does his best work. So um, Galatians chapter 6 this morning. And uh, we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. Uh, we're going to cover verses 7 and 8. That's where uh, the law, the truth is here in this passage. But in verses 9 and 10, there's a huge promise. And so we're going to seek to get to verses 9 and 10 and hope to be an encouragement to you today. So Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Uh, let's read those. Um, I'm reading from the NASB 95. And, um, and then let's pray and we'll dive in here this morning to, uh, to our message. Look, look at me, verse 7. Galatians 6, verse 7. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So look at verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Amen. Let's pray, uh, and then we'll dive in here. Lord, we love you. God, I'm thankful for this opportunity. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the lighthouse of hope, Lord, that you've established here to uh, see the gospel go forth and to see disciples made and strengthened and encouraged, Lord. And, uh, Father, we know that you're coming back. And, Lord, we uh, do not bear this uh, cross lightly, but, Lord, we know that you're with us. And, Father, that uh, you've given us all things pertaining to godliness. And, God, I pray that you would help us to remain faithful, Lord, as we await your coming. Lord, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And, Lord, we'll trust you for the results. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, 
If you consider with me this morning that in, in every dimension, um, including the moral dimension, physical dimension, spiritual dimension, in every dimension, God has structured the universe with certain inviolable laws. He did this because he created it all. And so he gets to choose um, the laws that will stand. Um, these laws are unstoppable. They are unavoidable. They are inevitable. Think with me this morning, um, the laws of physics. Think with me, uh, thermodynamics. Think with me, gravity, okay? And I think every single one of us, when we're a, when we're a child, uh, we try to test the, the truthfulness of the law of gravity, okay? And maybe it's on a, in a bunk bed, maybe it's in a tree, maybe it's off a back deck. I, I don't know, but I guarantee you this, either you or a child or a grandchild has tested the, the validity of the uh, inviolable law of gravity. And, and what, what have we learned? That, that gravity don't care what you think about it. Gravity is the truth. And, uh, and what goes up must come down. So in Galatians chapter 6, Paul is going to use what, what we know as the law of the harvest to illustrate God's parallel and equally unbreakable laws in the moral, the physical, and the spiritual realms. This has helped me, but when you, when you think about your Christian life, you need to think about it more agriculturally than you do industrially, okay? It, it's man who created factories. See, God created gardens. And what he wants to do in your life is going to be done a, a lot through this imagery of, of agriculture. And it's all throughout the Bible. And so this morning, we're going to return to this timeless truth. And it's an agricultural truth. It's called the law of the harvest. And it's absolutely universal. It applies equally to every farmer, every gardener, and every time and place. Young and old, experienced and inexperienced, wise, foolish, rich, poor, saved, unsaved. It's, uh, it's predictable. It's impartial. And it's immutable as the law of gravity. Now, at this point in, in, in my morning on Sundays, I'm about 10 cups into coffee, all right? Uh, my, my Sunday starts about 7. And uh, so if I start talking too fast, you just raise your hand, all right? Uh, and, and, and I'll know. i got to slow down a little bit, all right? Um, what is true in the physical realm is just as true in the spiritual realm. You reap what you sow. The believer is not exempt from the consequences of his own sowing, with one exception. We as believers, and praise God for this, we will never reap the ultimate consequences of our sin. Why? Because Jesus already reaped those consequences for us. However, outside of that eternal truth, we as believers, just as the lost, will continue to reap what we sow. Earthly heartaches, wounds, shame, pain from sins and foolishness, as well as the glad harvest of good seed sown. Proverbs 11, verse 18 says, The wicked earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows to righteousness gets a sure reward. So look with me here in verse 7 at this first big word, and it's the word deceived. Paul writes here, he says, do not be deceived. See, it, it, in the first two chapters of Galatians, Paul is defending his apostleship. He's saying, this is why I have the right to be an apostle. 
in the uh, the second uh, the, the next two chapters in verses three and four, he's defending salvation by grace alone through faith alone. But now here in these last chapters of Galatians, he's teaching the church how we can live the victorious Christian life. He's teaching the church how they can live with joy and work out their their salvation with 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 joy and with and with success. Okay, and so he's giving us this this truth of the, of the law of the harvest, but he's prefacing it with this warning, do not be deceived. And I think, you know, you see this all through the New Testament. Do, don't be deceived. Don't be misled. And, and this is a, a warning that I need. And it's a warning that we as the church today need. Why? Because the potential to be deceived is so great. The potential for not just the lost. We know that they're deceived by the wiles of the devil. But we're talking to the church here. Galatians 6 is written to the church. So how is it that he's coming to us saying, hey, you must be warned. You are able to be deceived if you don't keep watch. Let me just submit to you the temptations that are evident in our life that can cause us to be deceived. And the word deceived just means led astray. Led astray from what? Well, led astray from the truth. Okay? We're talking about a truth this morning. It's the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. They're, 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 it's, as, it's as sure as gravity. And so the, the, the deception there is that we can be led away from thinking, ah, maybe not. Maybe I'm an exception. So Satan today is active in the world. He's fighting against the church. We have the promise that he cannot prevail over the church. But I'll tell you what, he fights against the church. And he can deceive us today because he's extremely crafty. In fact, the Bible calls him the father of what? The father of lies. He lies and lies and lies and spins. He, he, he spins things. He, he, um, he, he, uh, he shades things to make, it, to make it look different than it is. And really, this is all sin. Every Listen, if I, let's be honest, when I sin today, it's be only because I am deceived into thinking my sin is not that bad. And this is all sin. Satan is constantly deceiving us even Christians and even the church. Number two, uh, we can be deceived by the crowd we run with. I, I think it's in Proverbs that uh, says, um, uh, be warned that, that bad company corrupts good morals. Okay, so the, the crowd we run with, and it's easy to, to point at young people and say, oh man, their crowd is bad, so so their, their behavior is bad. But this is just as true with adults. This is I don't care what age you are, the crowd you run with really determines your, your, your view of... Your, your shade that you're viewing life, okay? And, and so if you run with negative people, if you run with, um, with, uh, with people who are pessimistic, if you run with people who are, who are in, in open, unconfessed sin, it's just a matter of time before this starts to kind of chip away at, at your own uh, morality. And then thirdly, and this one is, hurts a little bit more, okay? It's easy to say, yeah, Satan is deceiving me. I can fight against him. It's, it's a little bit harder to say. i got to really... Be aware of what my influences are, right? My social media influences, my friends. Because because your friend group isn't just your your physical friends, all right? It's whatever influence you allow into your life, okay? Via social media, via the news, via whatever. But this third one hurts a little bit more. What do you guys think the third uh, area of our life that's constantly trying to deceive us is? And you know this. Satan, our surroundings, what's the third one? What? 
Can you? Think internal. Our own hearts. What does the Bible say about our hearts? Yeah. And listen, our souls have been saved. Our lives have been redeemed. But our hearts are still wicked until we are in glory. And um, if we aren't careful, our own hearts can deceive us. Okay? So Paul gives a very strict warning. Um, he's saying, listen, the law, uh, God's law of cause and effect still operates in the lives of his children. Now, this cannot be ignored. Let me give to you the kind of three-point law of the harvest, and then we'll kind of see how it works out in the scripture. Number one, the first part of the law of the harvest, and you know this, you reap what you sow. Okay? You reap in kind to what you sow. You sow watermelon, you get watermelon. Okay? You reap what you sow. You sow corn, you get corn. You don't get something different. That's number one. Number two, you reap more than you sow. You always reap more than what you sow, never less. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. Number three, you reap after you sow. There's always this, this delay, okay? Sometimes it's quicker, sometimes it's longer, but there's always a, a delay between when the seed is planted and when it's harvested. To keep that in mind as we work through this truth. Church, listen, look, look at me, listen to me. Your life is going to produce something. Individually, your life is going to produce something. Uh, as a family unit, your family is going to produce something. As a church, you are going to produce something. It's going to yield something at the end, and by the way, all throughout. So, keeping that in mind, the first thing I want to submit to you this morning is that the seeds you sow matter. Okay, given the truth of the law of the harvest, given the truth that it is uh, inviolable as gravity, given the truth that, uh, that there's opportunity to be deceived, I want to submit to you that the seeds that you sow matter. The life that you live as a believer matters. That, that the thoughts that you think, that the actions that you do, the words that you say, the the, the, the accomplishments that you are seeking to, to, uh, to accomplish through your life, it, it matters. It, we all have seeds that we are sowing, and the seeds that you sow matter. You are living today in the harvest of the seed that you sowed in the past. And the seed you are sowing today, whether good or bad, it's going to bring a harvest. And I think some of this deception comes thinking, I can do whatever I want to do, and it doesn't matter. Well, well, that is completely opposite of Scripture. It, that's a deception. That you can live, hey, you know what, I'm just going to take today off. I'm going to indulge in this, or I'm going to kind of retreat here. I'm going to kind of unplug here. When that's done in sinful ways, it's not done in a vacuum, you understand. Because you reap what you sow. Since the harvest is coming, and since we can say consequences are coming, the seeds that you sow matters. Think with me in the lives of our kids or grandkids. You know, we have an opportunity today to sow good seeds into their lives and to call them to sow good seeds. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. It's, it's largely believed that a person's character is the product of seeds planted early in their life. This is why the church focuses on the next generation, okay? This is why you have Sunday school classrooms. This is why you invest money and volunteers and effort into shepherding the heart of children. Why? Because children grow up. And largely, the seeds that you sow into their life 
at a young age will account for the majority of the harvest that they uh, reap throughout their life. That's why it's vital to... That's why Jesus speaks so much about children. It's why the church, we must always be passionate about the next generation. Right? Because um, a church is just one generation away from becoming extinct. Not, not the global church, but individual local churches. If we stop thinking about sowing seeds into the next generation, we die. Think about the seeds that you sow into your marriage. Your marriage is a harvest. And if you don't like your marriage this morning, you can only point to yourself as a, as a unit and say, what seeds are we sowing into our marriage? Okay? Because your marriage is a harvest. So what are you sowing? You can't sow seeds of anger and stress and, and expect peace. You can't sow impatience, lies, unforgiveness, and expect to reap a harvest that's counter to that. Just as we live, sorry, Romans chapter 2, verse 9 and says, verse 9 and 10 says, there'll be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But listen to this: glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Your seeds of thoughts, they produce actions, right? And your actions, they turn into habits. Your habits turn into your character, and your character determines the course of your life. So the seeds you sow matter. Could we agree on that? And what's great about it is every day is a new opportunity. Every day you're tested, and every day is an opportunity to sow good seeds. I don't care what you sowed yesterday, you can't change it. But you can start today to sow seeds, and we're talking about in a little bit what those good seeds are. Number two, um, you, there are only two fields that you can sow in, okay? So we have a life, we have opportunity, we have seeds that we can sow, but there's only two fields. Let's look and see what they are. Verse number uh, eight. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There's two fields. Do you see them? There's the field of the flesh and there's the field of the Spirit. Every day, two opportunities, and every day, you will be tested. So, again, if you don't like what you're getting, change the field that you are sowing in. Um, the big warning here is that you cannot just, as a believer, you cannot just live and sow to the flesh indefinitely and have it turn into anything good, okay? Um, Job chapter 4, verse 8 says, According to what I have seen, those who plow in iniquity and those who sow trouble will harvest it. Job, one of the wisest men in the Bible, he just says, hey, I'm just going to give it to you as I've seen it, okay? <laughs> those who have sown in iniquity and who have sown trouble, they harvest it. Let me define for you what the flesh is here in verse number 8. Because as believers, we still have this, this flesh, right? We have this part of our, of our being that is... Um, it's unredeemed. It's uncleansed, all right? It's the part of our sin nature that remains in our life until we're in glory, okay? And we look forward to that day when, um, when we will be totally, uh, totally, the, the completion of our sanctification will be our glorification. But right now on this earth, we still struggle with this, Paul talks about it a lot, this, this battle between flesh and spirit, right? And our flesh is that part of us that's not yet um, completely... Uh, made new. And it's completely contrary to God's standards, okay? The flesh is against the spirit. In fact, it wars against the spirit. 
And so the Bible says here that if you sow to your flesh, if you live your life contributing to that part of yourself that's unredeemed, it will only bring what? According to verse number 8. What's the word used there? Corruption. Okay? Now, corruption means, it means a lot of things, but primarily it means decay. The actual Greek word means degeneration. Okay? And ultimately it means death, both physically and spiritually. So corruption means death. And, and, and there's a process of dying, right? Um, I don't know if any of you guys hunt, hunt, hunt deer. Any of you guys hunt deer in the room? Okay, there's one, two, all right. You guys need to get on this a little bit more, all right? We live in Kansas, all right? It's the envy of the country when it comes to deer hunting. This year in September, um, I shot a deer uh, in archery. The, the uh, earliest I've ever shot a deer. It was September, okay? And when I got into my stand that morning, it was like 42 degrees. But by the time I, uh, I shot and retrieved my deer, it was 65 degrees on its way to 70. And I will tell you, um, the moment that that deer was down, it started to corrupt. And uh, you're, on, you're on a clock, okay? You gotta get that thing on ice. And when it comes to the seeds that we sow into the field of the flesh, I don't care what your intentions are. I don't care how good they, the, the, your actions are perceived. I don't care what your motive is. If there are seeds that are sowed to the flesh, they immediately start to corrupt, and there's no saving them. <clears throat> Why would you want to invest your life as a believer into a field that gives you zero good return? And especially eternally, not just physically. But that's what the Bible's saying here. If you sow to the flesh, it will reap corruption. And, and, and this is the flip side of that. In verse number 8, if you sow to the Spirit, what will happen? From the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. And, and we see those fruits of the Spirit in chapter 5, in verse 22. If you sow to the fruit of the Spirit, they produce this. Love um, and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But the Bible also mentions the seeds of the flesh. Look at me in verse 19 of chapter 5. The, the deeds of the flesh are this. Uh, their immorality, their impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Okay? And deception that Paul warns about, deception acts like this in our life. It makes me think that I can sow into the field of the flesh, but yet reap spiritual returns. Okay? And that's the big deception even of the church today. Okay? Um, you can't serve two masters. Sowing to the flesh means that one uses his own worldly goods for his own advantage in accordance with his own selfish desires. And even as a believer, we can live that way. But it takes intentionality to say, you know what? I've got one day, I've got one opportunity, I've got one life, and I'm going to sow these things into this field of the Spirit so that I reap a harvest that is that is from God. The British evangelical leader, um, John R. Scott, wrote this. Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, to nurse a grievance, to entertain an impure fancy, every time we wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company, whose influence we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up praying, 
every time we read pornographic literature, every time we, every time we take a risk that strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. And the flesh knows only failure. But what I love about this is that the spirit knows only success. Okay? If we want to reap a glad harvest, which we do, which I do, which you do, understand when we sow into the field of the spirit, we will reap a victory. We sang about it this morning. The flesh knows only failure, but the spirit knows only success. You know, as I was thinking about this message, um, how many of us, you know, want to have a life that's defined by holiness? I do, you know. But really, holiness is a harvest. We can't just get up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to will myself to be holy today. No, what, what do we do? We get up and we immediately, we start sowing, sowing, sowing to the Spirit. We resist the flesh. We resist the devil. We say yes to the Spirit. We, we sow to the Spirit. What we read, we sow in love and joy and peace. And we show in patience. We sow in kindness. And we, we sow in faithfulness. And what happens? Our life becomes the harvest of what we are sowing. It, and holiness is a harvest. Joy is a harvest. Um, peace is a harvest. You know? That's why your peace cannot be determined about uh, by your temporal circumstances. Okay? Your peace can't be determined by the daily headlines. Your peace can't be determined by anything circumstantial. Your peace is rooted in something much deeper than that. And that's why it's a harvest. Because as we trust and deepen our faith in, in God, and, and, and as we invest in our relationship with Christ, the harvest of our life becomes these things that we desperately want, but sometimes they're so evasive. Look with me um, at what it says in the last part of verse number 8. He who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. <clears throat> Say, Pastor Ryan, I thought we already had eternal life. I thought when we got saved, we our, our name was written in glory and we have a home waiting for us, and, and we do. Absolutely we do. When the Bible refers to eternal life, it's primarily re referring to quality of life, not the duration. Okay? So think with me about this truth. The believer begins participating in eternal life the moment we trust in Jesus for our salvation. Jesus brings heaven down to us. He brings eternal life into us, okay? We immediately become a child of the kingdom of God, which is here, by the way. It's, it, it, it's, it's, we're a part of it. Even though we can't see it, we, we, we are among it and we believe in it. So we, we start participating in eternal life the moment that we get saved. But, this is the problem, any sin in my life it, co it corrupts the reflection and enjoyment of that eternal life. My experience of that eternal life is bad because of the sin that I indulge in and I become a very unhappy Christian. So as we invest and as we sow into the field of the Spirit, my enjoyment and experience of the eternal life becomes much better. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? 
And you can tell that about a church. You can tell that about a believer. Okay? How many of you know an, a grumpy, miserable believer? Uh, not the person sitting next to you, okay? But how many of you just generally, hypothetically speaking, you know a grumpy Christian, right? Isn't that an oxymoron? All right? A grumpy Christian, a miserable Christian, how can that be? Well, it can only be because um, of, of this law of sowing and reaping. So let's move on now to the, to the promise. This is, this is where it gets really exciting for me. And this is really what God's been working on. Look at verse number nine. So what's the Bible say? Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. I don't know about you, but I have lost sight of this reaping at times in my life. I don't know about you, but I've been tempted to, to lose heart in doing what is good. I've been tempted to grow weary in doing what is good. And, I, you know, this... These words are not kind of what we think they are. We all get tired in life, okay? <laughs> if you do any kind of outreach, if you do any kind of investing in your community, which I know you do, if you just try to rear a, a child, okay, try to rear a spouse, okay, you, you, you can grow weary. It's not talking about tiredness like that. The root words here in verse number 9 means to get so discouraged that it causes you to sin. It's, it's growing so weary and, and growing so much exhausted that it causes you to be tempted to give up. Because for a Christian to be facing temporal circumstances that cause them to give up their eternal perspective, that means that your faith is lacking. That means you're doubting in a God who, by the way, has already won the victory for you. It means you're doubting in the ability of a God who came here, lived perfectly, died sacrificially, and has bought for you eternal life. You're doubting in that kind of a God? That's why it's a sin. Because we are to, to trust fully and wholeheartedly, not only just in the law of the harvest and in God's ability to make good on what he said, but in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of every good thing for believers. Okay? So I'm not talking about, man, I, this was a hard day. This was a, a weary season. I'm tired. I need some reviving. No, this is talking about Christians that quit on God. This is talking about Christians that say, because something bad happened in my life, I now no longer hold to the faith. Listen, do you want to read about the bad things that happened to Paul? Do you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 5 right now? We read about some of it this morning. And, and read the list of the bad things that happened to Paul? I mean, it... it we must trust in the fact that a reaping is coming. Not just eternally, but also in our life today. Like, we know we have to die in faith. We know that since we are believers in Jesus Christ, one day we will be with Him in glory, and we will know, and we will be with Him, and we will find the fulfillment of our faith. But even in the law of the harvest, we must trust that when there is a delay, say, Pastor Ryan, I've been sowing, 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 sowing seeds, good seeds, seeds of the Spirit, into my life, into my kids, into my community, into my church, into my marriage, and, and there's just, there's no, there's no results. Well, that's where our faith comes, comes into, into play here. We must understand that Paul is promising through the Spirit of God that if we don't lose heart in doing good, we will reap 
What's the Bible say? In due time. What is due time? Well, I don't know. Because that's God's time. For some of you, your victory is a month from now. For some of you, your victory is a week from now. For some of you, it's five or ten years from now. But God's calling you to be faithful and to trust in Him. And uh, this is the hardest thing to do, okay? Because we live in a society that's instant gratification, you know? I am mad when my overnight shipping is delayed. What, what a time to live, to be alive, you know? Like, I'm mad when Amazon fails me. Um, I just think about future generations. Like, you guys must look at us like, like, what in the world, you know? Uh, to, to, to be alive in this time, you know? But I'm, I'm mad when anything is delayed, you know? My flesh fights me when, when someone takes too long ordering coffee in front of me. You know what I mean? Like, that's how petty I am. Let alone when I'm trusting in God for spiritual harvest in the lives of, of my own life, the lives of my family, the lives of my church. You know what I'm saying? It's only a church that is being... Uh, extremely confident in the promises of God that you can not grow weary in your life. Paul says, let us not lose heart in doing good. Let me talk to you about that word good. That word good there is not just, you know, general good. Like I, I, um, you know, I shoveled the sidewalk this morning. I did good. That good is talking about eternal good that is brought about by the Spirit of God residing within us. Okay? So Paul is saying here, don't lose heart in doing that eternal, that spirit-led good. Because in due time, in my time, you will reap if you do not grow weary. So what is the challenge? Don't lose heart, church. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep that eternal perspective. Whenever you find that your, 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 um, your faith is becoming weak, whenever you find that, 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 that your um your trust in God to bring about His promises is starting to, to fail. Think and look ahead to what God is doing on an eternal stage, okay? We can't always see the results temp temporally. We can't always see the results from Sunday to Sunday. But do you know what? We have confidence and faith that even in the seeds that we can't see what they're doing, God is doing something with them. That's how we got to live our life, you know? When we invest in things missions-wise at our church that we will never see the fruit from until heaven. You know what? We're happy to do it. We invest in people. We, we, listen, you ought to be such a spirit-led person that whenever God brings someone by your path, I don't care if it's at the, at the feed store, if it's at a ball game, if it's at a hospital, you are a spirit-led person. The spirit of God dwells in you. And every single touch point that God brings you to is for a purpose and it's ordained by God. Which means that you won't always see all the fruit that, that, that grows from your faithfulness, but God sees it. And that's what brings so much joy. Um, so don't quit, church. Don't lose heart. Keep that eternal perspective. This is God's church. And He does with it what He will. Verse number 10, as we close, so then, Paul writes, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So Paul kind of brings us to a close here. We've talked about the, the, the law of the harvest. Okay, you reap what you sow. It's true for every person, in every time, in every space. There's only two fields. You sow to the flesh, reap corruption. 
I don't care if it looks good, if it sounds good, if it smells good, if it tastes good, it brings corruption. So to the spirit, it only brings about a good harvest. Sometimes it's a hard choice. Sometimes you don't always see it initially or, 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 or ever. But we, we, we but, but you know what we do, you know? The fruits of the spirit are a promise in our life. And then he says, you know what? You're gonna be tempted to quit. Because there's that delay there, you know? Something's gonna go bad, something's gonna go south, something's gonna be delayed, something bad's gonna happen, and you're gonna be tempted to quit. But don't quit. Because in my time, I'm bringing about a harvest. And then in verse 10, he says, so, so while we have opportunity, and as I read that, I thought, oh man, I, I almost prayed right there at the moment, God, give me opportunities, you know? Give me opportunities when I go to Walmart. Give me opportunities, you know, when I'm at a restaurant, when I'm at the, the Christian chicken, you know? Everybody's a believer in Chick-fil-A. So, that market's tapped. Um, I thought God gave me opportunities, but then I looked at what this word meant. This is why you got to study your Bibles. The word opportunity here does not mean individual opportunities that we hope will come to us. The word here means every moment of every day for a Christian. The word literally means in the Greek the totality of someone's life. Now that changes things, okay? That means that as a believer in Jesus Christ, as someone called out to be an ambassador, to, to, to be a missionary to those left in this world, every breath that you have, every day that you live, every hour that you live, your life is one living opportunity to do good. Doesn't that change things? That means no matter where I'm headed this week, no matter what my vocation is, no matter what my background, no matter what my weakness is, my life is an opportunity to do good, to sow good in the world around me. Trusting in those eternal, the eternal harvest that God promises to bring out in my life. It means you don't, you don't need to, to wait. It means you can get busy doing good right now. It means you can get busy about the Lord's business right now. Because your life is one sanctified um, uh, power filled by the Spirit of God opportunity to do good in the world that you've been called to love. That means if you drop things out of town, your life's an opportunity. When you're on the mission field over in a third world country, your life's an opportunity. It means when you go to your family dinner this afternoon with an unsafe son-in-law, your life's an opportunity to do good. Paul wrote to Titus in chapter 2 and verse 7, and he said, Titus, in all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. In purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. So the Bible says here in verse 10, while you have opportunity, which is while you live and breathe, let us do good to all people. I love how this all people, you know. We're called to reach all people. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every nationality, every background. We're called to reach all people. Isn't that important? But then he zones in a little bit deeper in verse 10. And what does he say? Especially. I underline that. I underline that. Okay. Especially. Especially what, Paul? He said, especially do good to those who are of the household of faith. For a Christian, your ministry starts right here. And where God sends you, he sends you. But it starts right here. You are bearers of the Spirit of God, which means you have in you the potential for seeds of ultimate good. But where is that supposed to start? 
right here in the household of the faith. What an opportunity. That's why I love the church. That's why I give up my life for the church. The first test of our love for God is our love for his other children, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Often the great opportunity that we have to sow good seeds in the field of the Spirit is to sow them within the church. So I ask you, how are you sowing good seeds in this church? Because it's possible to sow seeds to the flesh in this church, and in my church, and in every church. And we read about those things in, 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 in chapter 5. Is there any jealousy in here? Is there any anger in here? Is there any disputes in here? Is there any dissensions, factions, envying in here? Of course. I mean, we're, we're, we're simple people. But what if, what if our church, led by the Spirit of God, given the opportunity that we have today to do good amongst this church, what could God do with a harvest? What kind of a harvest might He bring in this community? Sow the word of God into your heart. Sow the word of God into your heart. Do you know it always brings about a good harvest? Sow the word of God into your heart daily. Get yourself a Bible reading plan. It's not too late. It's only the 21st, okay? Get yourself a Bible reading plan. Get yourself a Bible reading buddy. Sow the word of God into your heart and you'd be amazed at the harvest, the perspective that it brings into your life. You ever get like to 10 or 11 o'clock in the day and be like, why am I so angry? <laughs> why am I so off? Why am I so jealous? Why am I so pessimistic? I, I look in the mirror and I say, you know what? I've not spent time in God's Word yet this morning. And I'm the worst version of myself. I'm not doing good. I'm so into the flesh. So generosity you know, um, a church like this only is where it's at because of generous people. And that's you. Sow generosity into the church. Sow generosity into the world. God promises to bring a harvest when you sow generously. Do you guys know that? He didn't sow sparingly in your life. Corinthians, Paul says, he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Just make a decision this year. You know what? Given the law of the harvest given that you always reap more than you sow, why don't you just sow generously this year? Sow faithfulness. Do what's right and lead it with God. Just do what's right and lead it with God, trusting in Him and His ability to bring about desired ends. Sow integrity. And you know what you reap? A good character. Sow into your marriage. You'll never regret that. I don't care if you feel like you're on the last week of your marriage. If you'll turn this around this morning, start sowing the good into your marriage. I'm talking about spirit-led good. You'd be amazing at the harvest that it brings. Sow into your children, sow into your workplace. This is why discipleship is so important. You know, this is what I love about it as we close this morning. I am reaping the harvest that somebody else has sown. You guys ever think about that? I'm here today because someone else sowed faithfully somewhere and I have the privilege of living in the harvest of what they sowed. You guys ever think about that? I'm saved today because of some faithful Sunday school teacher two generations ago that reached my parents. You know, this church wasn't started by you. It was started by somebody else. 
And here we are today, receiving the, the bountiful blessings of a church that someone somewhere had the spirit-led unction to go and start. Every day, church, is an opportunity to sow. Every day you're sowing, the seeds we plant today will return in abundance at harvest time. Um, so what will your harvest be? I want to be an encouragement to you. I don't want this to bring you down. You can't change the seeds that you have sown, but what I love about it, and what's encouraging to me, is that you can change the seeds that you will sow. So today can be different. Tomorrow can be different. But ultimately, we must trust in God to bring about the harvest, right? And this is what I love. He, he will. And He does. And He has. Uh, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. And God's got big, big plans for you. Um, he's using our churches in these small towns to, to change the landscape spiritually. And uh, I'm thankful to be alive in this, in this time. And I'm thankful to call you guys a sister church. But remember the law of the harvest. Um, and invest in the, in the field of, of the spiritual. Amen? Amen. I'll invite Chad up and we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll pray this morning and I'll let him handle the invitation. Okay. Lord, we love you. God, uh, I'm so thankful for your goodness to us. I'm thankful for your word. God, I, I don't know where we'd be without it. We'd be lost and we'd be hopeless. We'd be wandering around. But Lord, here you are with us today in this place and you've given us your word. You've given us your spirit. You've given us a strong hope and, and, um, and, and faith in, in your salvation that you're bringing about in our lives. And God, I pray that you would continue um, forming and fashioning us into your image. God, you are the potter. We are the clay. We are yours. And Lord, as you uh, send us out from this place week to week, God, when we go with the knowledge that, Lord, you promise to bring about a good harvest in our lives if we sow seeds to the Spirit. God, I pray you keep us from being deceived. Lord, deception is all around us. And God, I pray you to keep my heart from being deceived. That God, we would look to you, we would trust in you, we would sow uh, the seeds that you would have us to sow. And that God, we thank, we thank, we're thankful that you have already taken the, uh, the harvest of hell that we deserve. God, you, you experienced that for us so that we can live in the great <coughs> harvest of, of your presence and of eternity. God, help us to not take that lightly. Help us to not forget it. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move among us during this time of response and that, Lord, you would give us the courage and give us the, the boldness to, uh, to make decisions for you. And that, Lord, um, whatever you do, Lord, it would, be, it would be evident that you're in this place and that, Lord, you are leading this church to where you'd have it. God, we, we love you for your promises. We love you for your presence. We love you for salvation. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.